With your Amex card, entertainment benefits like special ticket access and pre-sales to select can't-miss events while supplies last, make every tap music to your ears. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. All right, Sharp Money, VSIN, the sports betting network. We got you back. Got college football tonight. Got first pitch there in Minnesota coming up in just a bit. We are first five under. I'm full game under the eight, Sonny Gray, Javier. However, right now it's time for our boy, Brooks Austin. Fan Nation Director of Recruiting, Dogs Daily Lead Editor, at Brooks Austin BA on Twitter. I encourage everybody to check out, just go give him a follow on Twitter, his YouTube channel, The Film Guy Network. The way that these guys put the videos together, it really is impressive. Go give him some support, The Film Guy Network on Twitter. Brooks, we say hi, and let's start here. Mario Cristobal. What, dude? Oh. So we were supposed to have an ACC matchup, Miami of Florida at North Carolina. I'm not sure how good North Carolina is. They're undefeated right now, and they're laying three and a half. But yeah. let's just start kind of unraveling what happened with Cristobal. Yeah, so it's like, what? I think it's first down. There's 38 seconds left on the clock or something like that. Bottom line, under 40 seconds on the game clock. Opposition has let zero timeouts science either football like that that's it we we remove all questionable doubt out of the football game need the ball and i've been looking at it apparently his his offensive line coach was the only guy on the sideline that was like jumping up and down like hey what are we doing it kind of goes by the wayside they end up running the ball of course they fumble and and here's the worst part i don't know what's worse the decision the colossal mistake not to need the football out or somehow some way figuring out a way to give up 75 yards in four plays in 26 seconds when the opposition has zero timeout. It's like, what in the world? It's one of the biggest colossal uh, like losses in the history of college football. I mean, it is bad. And I know social media caught on to it and was like, hey, guess what? Crystal Ball also did this dumb stuff in 2018 in Oregon, but at least that one was like understandable. It was a minute and a half left. There was a second and three. There was like, hey, if we need the ball out all the time, we still have to punt it to them. They got to play 14 seconds. This was bad. This was as bad as it gets. Guys, just to substantiate the point that Brooks made right there, in this game, coming into that sequence, the Georgia Tech Ramblin' Wreck had 76 yards passing. 
They wound up with 151 on the game. They had 175 yards up until that point, and they wind up with 250 for the game. Just incredible. I, I don't know how this Miami team recovers. Brooks, you're in the state of Georgia. You covered Georgia very closely. I want to ask you, for people that may not have watched that Georgia-Kentucky game closely, it was a thoroughly dominant performance. This was the first time all year Georgia looked like the number one team in the country. What was it that you saw out of Kirby's team that made them look so proficient and look like they could go for a three-peat now? Yeah, I, I think the offense looked as, as confident as they possibly could and executed as, as highly, as efficiently as they possibly could, but this was a, a defensive-led football team. It has been for years, and we've been waiting around for Georgia's defense to come out and play like them. I think there's been a lot of talk nationally about, oh, Georgia's been starting slow. Georgia only had 17 first-quarter points in the first five weeks of the season. Georgia slowed this. Georgia slowed that. And they were pointing at the offense. Guys, the offense wasn't slow. The defense wasn't getting off the field. They gave up first-quarter possession touchdowns against UAB, South Carolina, and Auburn. Three offenses that shouldn't be scoring first quarter possession touchdowns against Georgia, this defense, right? So, like, once they once they started three and out in Kentucky really quickly, I, that that's that football team that beat the hell out of Oregon to start the football game last year, right? That that big monstrosity of a win they had uh, in Mercedes-Benz last year against a ranked Oregon opponent. If you guys go back and look at that start of that football game, they, they got a punt early to start the football game against Oregon, and then the next two offensive possessions for the Ducks were pick, Boom. Next thing you know, you're down 21 to nothing. Like Georgia starts fast historically because the defense three and outs, turnovers, oppositions. And that was the Georgia we saw again this weekend. They've been offensively great. Hell, they were Carson Beck's been was 14 for 18 on third and seven plus going into last weekend. They've been great offensively. They just been needing to get teams off the field quickly. Our boy Brooks Austin joins us here. Boys, USC stinks. Now, Brooks, it was late for you on the East Coast. I don't know, 2 o'clock in the morning, triple overtime against Arizona. They had every right to lose that freaking football game. My gosh, were they? But that defense is so bad. So bad. And here we go. USC. You you love it. (laughs) Notre Dame. And and to be fair, the Pac-12 has been awesome this year. So I'm not not clubbing the Pac-12. It's just USC. Let's talk about this. Uh, USC coming off a triple overtime win. Notre Dame coming off the loss there against a very fast and good Louisville team. Notre Dame laying two and a half. What do you like in this matchup, Brooks? Man, I really like Notre Dame because they can run the football um, and they do it really, really well. I think they're like top five in the nation in, in explosive rates as a, as a running the ball football team. Now, Sam Hartman had a really, really rough week last week, three interceptions and just it's off to a really slow start. Their drive chart in the first half last week against Louisville make you want to throw up. It's just like, ugh, it might as well be turnovers. They're having such shorter possessions to start the football game. Um, but Hey, I think Arizona, give them some credit the last two weeks. They've kind of put out a blueprint on how to slow some of these offenses down that are like historically great in Washington and USC. Last week against Washington, they only gave them eight possessions. Now, unfortunately for Arizona, Washington managed to score on seven of those. But like, hey, that's beside the point. They managed to make it a game because they managed offensively to keep it out of their hand. And then against USC this last week, they played what we call dollar defense. Right. There's nickel, there's dime and then there's dollars. Guys, they played eight defensive backs for most of that football game against USC. And they kind of drove Caleb Williams crazy. So it'll be interesting to see what Notre Dame does this week based off what Arizona did last week. Sometimes when we see defenses give a blueprint, 
see a lot of teams try to copy it against these really explosive offenses. But I like Notre Dame in this football game because I'm a line of scrimmage guy. If I know you're a little bit better at the line of scrimmage, I'm going to bank on you. Brooks, let's go to the showdown Saturday in Seattle between Oregon and Washington. Many people may not know this, but Oregon right now just dominant in their point differential against any uh, of anybody in college football. Plus 199 points have been thoroughly dominant. How do you see this game between Knicks and Penix, which could lead one of these guys to New York City for the Heisman finalist? Hey, that that 81 to seven drumming against <laughs> Titawata Tech or whoever the hell it was probably helped out that scoring margin. I'm just gonna say that right uh, now. You're not wrong, but no, you're right. They have been extremely dominant. They are the only team other than Georgia, I believe, in the country that are in top ten in scoring offense and top ten in scoring defense. So, Oregon is built a lot like Alabama, a lot like Georgia. They're gonna walk out. They're gonna try to play man coverage, right? They're gonna try to cover you. They're not gonna try to uh, confuse you. They're gonna try to beat you. Um, and, and that'll be an interesting game plan to see if they continue to roll that out against a team like Washington, who, man, I've said it over and over again with the combination between Michael Penix and that plethora of receiving core that they have. They remind me a lot of last year's Ohio State football team with C.J. Stroud just operating at an extremely efficient rate and teams being like, all right, well, if we're going to beat Washington today, we got to score 45. So that's the question. Can Bo Nix score 45, 45, 48 points? against a, uh, a Washington defense that, you know, might be able to turn him over. I think that's the, the key to me with Bo Nix. Like, we've seen the 73% completion percentage. We've seen this renaissance man of Bo Nix, this guy who's, like, completely revolutionized this game, what we saw at Auburn, this turnover-heavy guy. So now all of a sudden he's protecting the football and he's accurate? I don't know. I haven't seen a football team be actually able to make him throw into tight windows yet. Uh, we'll, be see, we'll be interested to see if it happens this weekend. Indiana's at Michigan Big Ten talking Brooks Austin here talking a little college football. P.J. Flex said it's the best team he's seen in a long time. How good is Michigan? Michigan's laying 33 and a half. It's a big number with Indiana in town. But I want your take. How good is Michigan? They, they remind me of 2022, 2021 Georgia. Like they are they are physical. I, they, 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 I think P.J. Flex said it best after the game. They, had, they traveled 75 guys against Minnesota. They played 73 of them like. That's absurd. They're deep, they're physical, and they're extremely well coached. If you're going to run 73 football players onto the field, you got to have 73 guys prepared. Like, that is a really, really elite coaching staff. And it's funny, I think Jim Harbaugh's got one of the very unique advantages that nobody else in the sport has, his daggone brothers in Baltimore. And if you look at their staffs, they just kind of recycle guys. It's like, hey, this this special teams coordinator is getting kind of stale. Oh, don't worry, we'll take them. You know what I mean? It's like they just pick up NFL guys and – and moving back and forth, they're extremely well coached. They've recruited at, a, at an exceptionally high uh, high rate. And J.J. McCarthy's elite. Now, my only question is, who's going to put them in a box? Who's going to be able to get in the ring and punch for Michigan this year? Because the moment it happens and they have to play a, a style of brand of football that they're not comfortable playing, then they kind of get beat. That's what we've seen the last couple of years. So I don't know if this is the weekend. In fact, I don't believe it's this weekend. Uh, but no, they've looked extremely dominant, particularly defensively, man. They are they are cutthroat. Yep. Just to build upon that question, does it become a more of a challenge because their biggest games are in November? They get Penn State, Maryland, and then Ohio State. Does the fact that they play all these three teams three weeks in a row make it a different challenge than, let's say, the Buckeyes played Maryland now, they get Penn State next week, and then they get Michigan a month from now? Pac-12 teams this year are looking at them like, hey, welcome to our strike for the last 10 years of this conference. Mm-hmm. For some reason, the Pac-12 does what the Big Ten did to this team this year, where they stack the end of the conference yeah. schedule where it's like, 
all right, well, we just got to survive. And then in November, we're going to get punch drunk for four weeks. Like that's, that's what it looks like. But no, I, it, it is a very interesting way of stacking a schedule and, and it's about surviving. But when, when you're a big 10 football team, okay, you kind of know we're, we're a three game schedule. Whenever it shows up, we're a three game schedule, wherever those three games fall, we might get good luck. We might get good luck this year. We might have bad luck next year, unless you're Michigan and Ohio state. And you know, you're playing at the end of the season, um, no matter what. So, I think that's just the way it goes with Big Ten teams, just like with sometimes with SEC teams, it feels like every week, it's not this year. This year, they're down bad. But most of the time, it feels like SEC teams, it's like, God dang, we got another ranked team coming into our our house this week, or daggum, we got to go play a top 10 team again this week on the road. Um, Not necessarily like that this week, but every every conference has their struggle. The Big 12, it's like we can get beat. It's like any given Sunday out there. Everybody's either really good or really, really bad. If you like college football, you have to follow Brooks Austin at Brooks Austin BA on Twitter, YouTube, the Film Guy Network. I promise you it's tremendous. And also, I counted three daggomets during the conversation. That's about as good as it gets. Daggomet, thank you, Brooks. No doubt. AI might be the most important new computer technology ever. It's storming every industry, and literally billions of dollars are being invested. So buckle up. The problem is that AI needs a lot of speed and processing power. So how do you compete without costs spiraling out of control? It's time to upgrade to the next generation of the cloud. Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is a single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. OCI has four to eight times the bandwidth of other clouds, offers one consistent price instead of variable regional pricing. And of course, nobody does data better than Oracle. So now you can train your AI models at twice the speed and less than half the cost of other clouds. If you want to do more and spend less like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic, take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com strategic. That's oracle.com strategic. oracle.com strategic. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Basketball season is ready to tip off, and the VSIN experts have been hard at work tracking the latest player moves to help you bet smarter. Become a VSIN Pro subscriber today and get our all new NBA betting guide featuring up to date previews on all 30 teams futures and year-long player props best bets on player awards like rookie of the year live betting strategies plus 
strategy and advice on building your own NBA betting model from our senior NBA analyst, Jonathan Bonto. We'll give yourself an edge this season and get the VSIN NBA betting guide by becoming a VSIN Pro subscriber today. VSIN.com slash subscribe. VSIN.com slash subscribe. Okay, Tim Jenkins, our quarterback guru, coming up in about 14 minutes. We welcome you back here on Sharp Money. I want to go through, we're going to have a little fun. We're going to apply letter grades to the Pac-12 teams. It's kind of been a theme here on Sharp Money. The Pac-12 uh, this year is the best conference in college football as we welcome you back. I'm Patrick Maher, of course, I'm Al Shaw. Dustin Sweetelson, do either of you have an update as we're underway there in Minnesota game three with the Twinkies hosting the Astros? Yeah, right now Houston's leading one nothing in the top of the first, as you alluded to. They got runners at the corners and Jose Abreu at the plate right now. Michael Tucker gets a single the opposite way, scores Jose Altuve, who got on base, and then Jordan Alvarez with a double. So right now sitting with runners at first and third, just a single out for Sonny Gray, who's already thrown 16 pitches. Not ideal for my man, Sonny Gray. Overcast gray to start here, big guy. Yeah, it's not good for when all three of us are on the under in some way. A quick question for you guys, because I'm a big uh, uh, proponent of this, not because of what happened just now. Tucker's up. You got first base open. Tucker's had a phenomenal year. I think he had like 28, 29 bombs and a buck 12 driven in. How about put him on base? You've got one of the fastest humans of all time, Jose Abreu, coming to the plate. I mean, you talk about an opportunity for a tailor-made double play and get out of the inning with no runs. Why not take that chance? Abreu just smacked a three-run bomb. Oh, man. Oh, my goodness. Really? <laughs> no doubt. It, it was a second, <laughs> second deck. Second that deck. That is a brutal. That is a brutal start for the boys. <laughs> I guess. What was you? Was it four and a half on the first five? Yeah. Hey, we're still alive. It was minus we're, we're still alive. We're like short money. We got a 9% chance. <laughs> yeah, we, hey, you don't give up. But don't you, ever give up. Real quick, I want to go to Patrick's play on the Thanks, full Jimmy. game for, for a reason. Because, Patrick, this is generally one of the reasons why I play a full game. I'm telling you, this is a great opportunity to play the end game. You'll probably see it 11 and a half. And it's a much higher total because you don't get beat by a single inning. So many times the Diamondbacks scored three last night. It looks like the game's going to fly over seven and a half. It doesn't even get there. I love how my whole entire cap centered around Sonny Gray, <laughs> who just <laughs> who literally just threw up all over himself at home as he recorded an out. He's got one out. He's got uh, a call okay. strike three on Bregman. All right, my dip, I don't want to disrespect Mr. Gray, but he has recorded an out. Okay, we'll keep you updated. 4 nothing lead, top of the first. The Astros at the twin, Twins uh, Game 3 will have uh, plenty of updates throughout the show. Okay, let's get started here with the Pac-12, and we'll correlate, obviously, with their games coming up this weekend. And I'm going to start here. Um, Cal's at Utah this weekend. And again, it's just a letter grade. So... Let's start with Utah. I think you have to grade them a bit on a curve because yeah. of the quarterback situation and Cam Rising. Uh, a loss to Oregon State, but they are 4-1. and one. Amal, you want to start here with a letter grade on Utah thus far? I'm going to give them a solid B. Um, injuries, obviously, Cam Rising. Uh, you look at uh, the running back is drawn a blank on his name right now. Uh, JJ there in terms of his injuries. But to me, what they've been able to do without consistency in third-string quarterback of true freshman I think Kyle Whittingham deserves a ton of credit in a very, very competitive league. UCLA's got a top yeah. 10 scoring defense. Yeah, and a defensive slugfest. They beat UCLA. Yeah. They beat Florida. That was a big win. The one loss to Oregon State. Again, they've got Cal this weekend. Um, they're hosting. It's laying 13 and a half. Big guy, you want to give your take, not necessarily just on Cal, Utah, but a letter grade on Utah? It's just tough for Utah because we're going to look back and go what could have been if Cam Rising was healthy just because like, even without him, they've managed to – I mean, they're 4-0 they're and heading into the Oregon State game. 
and they were in that game for a little bit there, and then it got away from them. Uh, I, I think B is the fair grade, but that's just because of Rising being hurt. Yeah. If this was the result with Rising healthy, it's probably a C plus. Yep, I gave him a B as well. If you want to throw a, a grade at Cal, uh, Wilcox, by the way, five of the Bears' final six games are against ranked opponents. So Wilcox may be on the way out, but sitting three and three right now. I got to give them a B plus. This team should have beaten Auburn. Yep. Uh, this is a team that's been very competitive in games and didn't expect them to be. I've been impressed with what they've done. Uh, you know, Justin Wilcox must be the most likable guy in the state of California. The fact that Cal has retained him for this long. But guys, I didn't see this team being in a position where they were comp- they weren't competitive against Oregon State necessarily. Beat ASU. Uh, they did get housed by uh, Washington, but I- I'm impressed so far with the way they've competed. Big guy? C plus. Uh, I, I mean that in like a very complimentary way. Like they actually have an offense now. If I would have told you last week that Cal was going to score 40 points, yeah. but they lost and didn't cover, you would have never believed me. Exactly. But they scored 40 points. So that's rare for, for what we've seen under Wilcox the last few years. So I like that aspect of things. Sam Jackson, the fifth, will be back next year. No relation to Samuel L. Jackson. At least I don't think so. Um, and he seems like he's a player. So I think because of that, the developments on offense, they've, he's earned probably another year as the head coach. They'll split the difference. Go B minus. Let's go next. Uh, Stanford at Colorado this weekend. Colorado lane 11. Uh, I will start with Colorado. I, I, is there any way you go a plus a, I mean, this was a team. Their win total was set at three and a half. They're four and two. Uh, it's been, they've taken over the college football landscape four and two on Colorado. Uh, the number this weekend hosting Stanford is 11 of all. Yeah. Real quick on Colorado. I, one thing I've come to realize in America, we've got a lot of people that are just haters and losers. I mean, you can sit there and say you don't like Deion Sanders, but the fact that they've turned this program around, a one-win team, their season win total was projected at three. They've gotten four wins. They're probably going to make a bowl game. They're going to win this game against Stanford. And the vitriol that's been there, I I get it. You don't have to be a fan of somebody, but you respect what's been accomplished. USC, now they've had a bunch of hiccups along the way. A-plus all the way for Colorado here. Go ahead, Big I'm going A. I mean, I don't know how you, you can hate on anything they've done. Like, they turned over almost an entire roster in Division One football. Yeah. These guys barely know each other, and they're going out there, and they're competitive, and they're winning games. And look, th- that comeback against USC, it might have been the best half of football in a losing effort for recruiting implications. What people saw, they saw USC had a head start with Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams, and Colorado said, come, to, come here to Boulder, and we'll beat these guys next year. This team is scary. Speaking of USC, we've got three undefeated teams in the Pac-12. Oregon's 5-0, USC 6-0, and Washington is 5-0. and We'll get to the other two, but let's go USC. They're at Notre Dame this weekend. Notre Dame's laying two and a half. Amal, we'll start with you. USC is 6-0. and What's your grade on USC so far? Well, C's get degrees too, and I'm going with the C on USC That's here. That's what I went with. A, a for well. the offense, F for the defense. Alex Grinch is the problem. Maybe Lincoln Riley will see it after the season when he cost himself a national title with one of the greatest college players of all time in Caleb Williams. But Patrick, outside the first two weeks against San Jose State and against Nevada, but remember, the San Jose State Spartans, um, they had a third down and 22. I, I, they run for it against them. I get one play doesn't mean anything, but Cordero was effective in that game 
They shut down Stanford. Since that point in time, they were in a fourth quarter game against Arizona State. They hung on for dear life against Colorado. Arizona, as you alluded to earlier with Brooks Austin, should have beaten, should have beaten the Trojans in the L.A. Coliseum. That can't happen when you've got Marshawn Lloyd, Caleb Williams, Zachariah Branch. You've got players all over that offense. That defense is hot garbage. Yeah, I gave them a C as well. Have they put together a complete performance outside of Nevada? Nevada no. stinks. Yeah. And I got to whisper this to you two boys, uh, and we can talk about the two and a half at Notre Dame. Caleb Williams, can, if you can hear me whispering, kind of stunk on Saturday night. He like, was four for 13 at one point. <laughs> yeah, he was not. Again, a lot of pressure to repeat, but he wasn't great in the game. It, so I gave him a B minus because they are still winning the games and that still matters. And Caleb Williams has had a lot of ups and downs, but the numbers are still absurd. He still has 28 total touchdowns and one interception through six games. And I get all that. I think this is a case of a team that only turns it on when it has to. And I'm not saying that in a good way. I'm saying that in a way where it's going to bite them down the road. But thus far, I have to give them a B minus because they are still winning despite a lot of close calls. Can I just object to that grade? Because there's 25 teams that would be undefeated with their record, with their schedule. And by the way, had they been less than a 19 point favorite in any game this year? There's no way, right? No. Colorado on the road was their shortest number at 19 or 19, 20, whatever it was. They were 28 at Arizona State. They were 27, I think, this week against Arizona, somewhere in that range. They were 3 million against Nevada. 6-0, though, still. The point's to win. Listen, Minnesota would be 6-0 with this schedule. Maybe not at Colorado, <laughs> but at least 5-1. Why do you play the game, big guy? Uh, you play it to win it. Quote Herm. Now, do you want to do you, you? He had a rebuttal against your grade. Do you want to have a rebuttal against the rebuttal? No, I think mine stands on it is that the, it's going to get them down the road. They'll be graded for that when it happens. But as of now, they're doing just enough to win and showing just enough to win. And I, I noticed that's a trend in college football this year. These teams are only showing enough to get by to some of these lesser opponents. Did, did you lay the points? No, 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 no. Just to win. Just to win. Took the money line. Either of you <laughs> either of you taking the points with USC at Notre I Dame am. quickly I on am. the way out? I am. You are? Estime and Notre Dame. Hartman bounces back off of that horrific 5 uh, turnover Ooh. performance. We've got Oregon and Washington yet to come. But next, Tim Jenkins, quarterback guru. This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, before you make your next bet, be sure to visit vsin.com to check out the current betting splits data. If you want to know where the money and bets are moving for every game, the betting splits page is updated with DraftKings odds every five minutes so you can see the changes in all the action. Find out where the public betting is based on the number of tickets and where the money doesn't match the public opinion. You can check out not just today's action, but future events as well. Betting splits are another way. VSIN is here to make you smarter, better. Check it out over at vsin.com. Amal Shaw, Dustin Sweetelson. I'm Patrick Maher. This is Sharp Money here on VSIN, the Sports Betting Network. Our quarterback trainer, our guru, Tim Jenkins, joins us now. Of course, the film analysis over at All Things QB on YouTube. Uh, Tim Jenkins, elite of course, the program at T Jenkins Elite on Twitter. And, you know, we were just discussing as we say hi to Tim and thanks for joining, Tim. We were talking about potentially Deshaun Watson missing out on his start this weekend. Cleveland hosting San Francisco. 
you actually tutored who eventually could fill in for him, P.J. Walker. So let's hear about P.J. if he potentially gets the start against the 49ers. And then let's hear what you think about Brock Purdy, who is awesome on Sunday night. Yeah, obviously you guys are going to get a completely unbiased view of P.J. <laughs> since I trained him, right? Is that? <laughs> I mean, listen, exactly. I think P.J., I'm going to kind of steer clear of the football stuff because I am obviously biased. What I will say is, like, the dude's story is, like, the kind of guy you want to root for, right? Gets cut, like, a million times from the Colts and goes battles it out in the XFL before The Rock was there, right? Battles it out. Hey, COVID season hits. It, Kyle's probably on track to be MVP, and then he signs and, and plays a little bit in Carolina and then the, didn't have a great preseason with the Bears. Now he's in Cleveland. So I think, like, the reality is, is, is PJ's the kind of kid that can fill in. And I think when you've been through as much as he's been through in the league, like mental toughness probably isn't something you got to worry about, right? PJ's going to go out there and he's going to, he's going to battle his way through. I think from a matchup perspective, um, you know, San Fran's the favorite for a reason, right? Those dudes are rolling and, and I think they, they're tough up front. You got Fred Warner. I, I think it's a tough defense. What I will say though, is PJ, um, PJ ain't afraid to rip it, right? We've seen that from his time. Like, you're going to get a lot of cover two hole shots. You're going to get a lot of deep posts. Um, so here's what I always say when PJ goes and plays, man. It's exciting. Now, there's some crash and burn times, but there's also some times where, you know, I, I remember when they signed Cam Newton, they went down there and, and Carolina goes and beat Arizona. So to me, there's a, every once in a while where they'll, they'll spring up and get you in this one, the, the Cardinals that we know now. So, <laughs> yeah. No, it's it'll be exciting. Again, Tim did tutor, of course, and train PJ Walker, who potentially could get the start for the Browns. Now, conversely, Brock Purdy. So the question is, is he a product of that Shanahan offense? But what are you seeing, obviously, as far as the skill from Purdy? Purdy's just like, I mean, Purdy to me is exactly who that system needs. And the reason I say that is, I'm going to say this and people are going to get mad at first, but let me explain. He's Jimmy G ish, right? What I mean by that is he's Jimmy G underneath. He's accurate. He gets the ball out of his hand, but he also is laced with some real aggressiveness under center, which is what Jimmy G was missing in that Super Bowl post, right? That Super Bowl post that I think really haunts his time in San Fran. If we're being honest from a coaching perspective or in that building, that's what Brock Purdy has. He's hyper aggressive with the football when the coverage dictates it simultaneously. The other 85% of the time, man, he's willing to play within the system and he's super accurate, which is why you see the completion percentage number. You see the, you know, uh, you see all those numbers stack up is because he's willing to play within the system. However, if you get single high coverage, he's going to, or if you give him single high coverage, he's going to be aggressive with you. So I think he's the best of both worlds where you have the accuracy underneath, you have the willingness to play within a system. And then simultaneously, when the cover dictates it, as a quarterback, we have to hunt with the football. And he's willing to do that, whereas some guys, some other guys that we've had in San Francisco with Shanahan weren't willing to do it. And I think that's why they're, they're no longer there. Great point by you, Tim, there. He was talking about the Emmanuel Sanders play in the Super Bowl where had they hit it, they would have probably won that game. Uh, Want to ask you a little bit, PJ's getting ready for this game against the 49ers. It's unique because of how talented they are. But tell us a little bit about how challenging it is for a quarterback who gets signed September 4th to the practice squad after he gets released by the Bears, comes on the Browns. He's the number three guy. You've got Deshaun and you've got DTR in front of him. And then what's the process like as in when you're on the practice squad to going to becoming the starter and how challenging is the ramp up in a, in a week? 
Yeah, I mean, you set the question up great. Listen, in the NFL nowadays, because of the CBA and whether it's right or wrong, if you're the number two, you don't get enough reps. That's why we have a quarterback issue. We don't have a quarterback issue because there's not guys that are talented. We have a quarterback issue because we have a lack of reps, right? We renegotiated this based on the other 21 positions, which I don't have an issue with, right? But we don't want linebackers getting downhill and pounding each other during training camp, right? The whole time. Now the reality is, is there's not, there's not pass attempts now for a quarterback. So you're looking at a 10 2 rep split in training camp. Then you get to the regular season, and if you're the number two, your reps come from running the other team's offense, right? And that's DTR. So then if you're talking about PJ, your reps are coming from watching both of them. Every once in a while, you get thrown there in a seven-on-seven period, or you're hanging after to get the reps. The reality is, is PJ's a vet. So he's staying after, right? He's getting a ton of reps during practice when the one and two is healthy. And this week's ramp up is just about as insane as you could imagine this, right? They're probably giving him as many reps as possible and then hoping that we can get timing. But what you do, what you're going to see is you're going to see an alter in game plan. And I don't mean this like I have insight on the Browns, right? I'm not going to, you know, throw my guy under the bus. But what I mean from when you, when you really watch the tape and you see a backup quarterback or a number three play, you see a ton of non-timing related routes. What is that? Like a curl, right? Heading right back to the quarterback. We're not really concerned with the timing of that. A basic, a cross, right? You see the comebacks you don't see as many of. You don't see as many of the true nine stops. And the reason is, is because we don't have enough reps on it. So if you have a really great OC who's going to design accordingly, you'll actually see less timing. You'll see less quick game because that's, you need reps at that, and you, you don't have enough. So when you do see these backup quarterbacks play, you got to be alert to the scheme. The scheme's going to change. So when you really dive into the tape, what you'll see is, you know, for every bang eight that Cleveland throws, they're going to start to throw like a true in-cut because the bang eight post, that's a timing throw, where the true in-cut, it's more of a see-it throw. It. So those are the little things that you need to look for on tape, whether it be Cleveland or any time you really see a backup quarterback in the game. Speaking of tape, you broke down Tua – Recently, let's discuss. Carolina's at Miami this Sunday, Tim. Right now, it's 13 and a half with Miami Lane. And I'm curious to get your take overall on the Dolphins. But let's start here with a guy you just broke down on YouTube at All Things QB, and that's Tua. What'd you see from Tua? Yeah, Tua's kind of been the Buffalo game wasn't great, and then he followed it up, and last week wasn't great. I'm not going to sit here and act like it's not great if you go NFL average because then two was incredible. But what he was putting on tape weeks one through three, four and five have been a letdown. His letdown, though, is still really darn good football. His two interceptions, one I think was a lazy play call, and it's about the only one I've ever seen in the history of Mike McDaniel calling plays. Right? It's like he fell asleep at the wheel and called stick, and all of a sudden we have a pick six. That was down tight in the red zone, too, which then all of a sudden it's an even bigger win, right? And then you had the interception where he couldn't really follow through and his hand gets hit. The, the, you know how sometimes you guys watch the NFL and it's like, man, the layout of this game is funky, right? There's a turnover or a muffed punter where you're, you're sitting there and you're just like, man, these guys haven't gotten any possessions. The Dolphins had one possession in the first quarter. It was just kind of a funky game. They still blow the doors off of New York. To me, I think they're going to, uh, to me, I just think they're going to beat the brakes off Carolina. I think Mike McDaniel is going to scheme them up. I don't know how you stop Tyreek with some of these short motion things they do with him. And, and I just don't see anything really getting better in Carolina, especially you saw that Frank Wright 
<laughs> clip where he's like, yeah, it's not really fun to meet with the owner. I'm like, dog, I don't know what you're saying. That's your boss. But I, I think <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, Carolina's not, not in a great spot. Tim, I want to ask you quickly. we got about a minute left. C.J. Stroud has been unbelievable. Now he faces an elite defense in the Saints. What has just propelled him to be this good out of the block without an interception in his rookie year in five games? They are dialed in scheme-wise. They looked at Ohio State. They transplanted transplanted as much as they could, and then everything that they said, this is an NFL staple, we have to have this concept, it is a – hyper-aggressive, pure progression, one, two, three, no matter the coverage, and the dude is playing decisive. So I think that's all scheme-based. I think that coaching staff deserves a lot of credit, um, especially a former player, you know, a defensive guy down there too. I think they deserve a ton of credit with putting him in a position to be successful. Somehow got through the segment and didn't ask you about Russell Wilson and the Broncos. Of course, Tim lives out in Colorado. Uh, a quarterback trainer, of course, all things QB on YouTube, at T Jenkins Elite on Twitter. Great as always, Tim. We'll talk to you soon. Thank you so much. I appreciate you guys. Thank you. Okay, appreciate you. And uh, we do appreciate, hey, fellas, maybe we'll get a little sweat going as we say goodbye to Tim. Um, Sonny got out of the top of the second. So that first five under is still alive, no? <laughs> There's a chance. It's breathing, but it's on life support. <laughs> you just rolling your eyes. We're at just me. trying to okay, find we, next of kin. We, we, we're trying. <laughs> we got Berkey coming up at the top of the hour. We'll go back to the Pac 12 next here, Sharp Money. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening what's up everybody this is Stephen a smith when i'm not at my day job first tape you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen a smith show podcast tune in every monday wednesday and friday at the very least as i bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports pop culture business and politics You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast.
This is Sharp Money with Patrick Maher and Amal Shaw on VSIN, the sports betting network. Okay, Sharp Money, and don't forget on DraftKings Sportsbook this season, new customers can bet $5 and pocket $200 in bonus bets instantly. Plus, all customers can get a no-sweat same-game parlay every day. Download the DraftKings app and use the promo code SHARP when you sign up. DraftKings Sportsbook, the crown is yours. We're back, Sharp Money. We've got Adam Burke coming up in 14 minutes. V-SIN's managing editor of course plenty to do Berkey all over with the daily podcast as far as major league baseball the postseason every single day over at vsin.com i'm all shaw dustin sweetelson i'm patrick maher okay boys update on uh, houston and minnesota there uh it sounds like abreu hit one to saskatchewan over the <laughs> hey, I, what's going on right now it's still four nothing by the way i don't think the ball was hit that short i mean this thing was absolutely crushed uh but right now we've got uh, willie castro at the plate facing an 0-1 count but the reality of it is i don't have an updated number but christian javier at one point had seven out of 21 pitches had swing and misses and he's added to that number he has been tremendous as castro pops out a bunt to maldonado we're through two complete right now in the twin cities four nothing uh houston and you got involved live there, big guy? Yeah, I took a little shot on the Twinkies plus uh, two and a half. Only uh, I had to lay 111 juice. So if they can just get a couple runs here, we got a chance. We got a fighting chance. If not, I lose two bets in one day. You know, this is the one thing, Patrick, and you know this because you're a big soccer guy. In soccer and baseball, you're right there at that number. There are two goals. Last week, Chelsea was playing somebody. I forgot who it was. They scored two goals quickly. And then all of a sudden, they just hit a wall the rest of the way. And baseball can kind of be like that sometimes. You can get a ton of runs early on. We mentioned it from the Dodgers game last night. I know you had over three and a half on the D-backs. And it, it ekes over with the Gurriel homer in the sixth inning, I believe it was. But, man, so many times it looks like you're on that runway about to take off. And then the flight is canceled. 100%. Well put. Okay, boys, we'll keep you updated as far as the Astros and Twinkies for nothing heading into the top of the third. So, woo. and by the way, your first five still alive. I'm not, I'm not trying to jinx anything. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I'm just saying. you do have a top 25 matchup. We're going Pac-12, having a little fun, uh, kind of handing out letter grades to the Pac-12 because it's been the conference that matters. And here's a good example. Uh, you got a top 25 matchup, UCLA at Oregon State coming up uh, this weekend, Saturday, 5 p.m., 4-1 UCLA, 18th ranked, against a 15th-ranked Oregon State team that's 5-1. and one. The number right now, Oregon State's laying 4 and a 54.5 on the total. But let's start. Why don't we start with UCLA in a letter grade uh, for the Bruins this year? Come on. I'm going to go with a B plus. You got a young stud and more at the quarterback position who I think is going to become a great quarterback in years two and three for Chip Kelly. This team loses the game. More throws a first play pick six against Utah. They end up losing that game 14-7. They were right in it. Bruins have a top 10 scoring defense. Really done a nice job so far. A quality, quality under the radar win last weekend at the Rose Bowl. Dominant performance against Cam Ward in Washington State, limiting them to 17 points. And the Bruins, this is the problem with the Pac-12 right now, guys. UCLA, Oregon State, Washington State, all sitting with one loss. And we don't even talk about them because we talk about Utah, USC, Washington, and Oregon. I, I would agree. You said B+. Plus. Yes. I think I'll probably go A minus. I, I don't UCLA have a problem with was that. Kind, they're kind of that team that we didn't talk about when previewing yeah. the Pac-12, and their one loss is what against Utah boys. By seven. And you, you, you mentioned Dante Moore, who's going to be a stud. And how about a defense that's right there? I, maybe total yards are the best in the Pac-12, like kind of an under-the-radar unit. 
UCLA for Brian Kelly and that defense. I, I've been really pleasantly surprised with what they put together here in Los Angeles this year. I'll go a minus as they head to Oregon state this weekend. Big it, guy. It's like a not sexy year for this team. It's quote unquote, somewhat of a rebuild because of the young quarterback, but they're going to win like nine games this year. So if you're rebuilding and winning nine games, that's pretty good. Potentially winning more. Who knows what they do this week? Like last week was one of those situations as a better where you just, you need to listen to what the bookmakers putting out there <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> because I bet wazoo and I was, it just, none of it made sense. I know it was like that classic ranked team versus an unranked team and on the road and all this. And I was like, no, everything I've seen with my eyeballs says that Wazoo's the better team. Well, the people behind the book were right that time. They nailed it. UCLA was the better team. And this week it's uh, the opposite end where UCLA is catching the points four and a half. I'm inclined to lay it, but I say a grade for UCLA is a B plus. Okay, next up, you mentioned Wazoo. Well, the one loss for the Beavers this year was at Wazoo, Oregon State. Let's get a, let's get a grade here. They're going to be hosting UCLA, laying four and a half, four, 10 wins last year. Tremendous year. Now, statistically, both sides of the ball, they're actually better this year, Oregon State. Just the one loss. What do you got as far as a grade here, uh, Maul? I'm going to go A minus. And the reason is you lose by three points at Washington State. The game wasn't quite as close as the final score indicated, but they were thoroughly dominant against Utah at home. This is a good football team. You look at what Jonathan Smith has done with DJ Uyunglele getting things turned around. Martinez and Fenwick are tremendous tandem in the backfield. The offensive line has played very, very well, which we expected coming into the season. But I'm going to go A-. minus. Um, I, I, listen, I don't want to get the perception out there that my class is easy. Everyone's taking it to get an A. But the Pac-12 deserves a lot of A's across the board. Yeah, I think it's fair. I'm going to go B plus, A minus, somewhere in between an A minus yeah. and B plus. Here's the deal with Oregon State, boys. Uh, UCLA, then they get their bye. Then they're at Arizona, not easy. But then they, at Colorado, obviously not easy. Stanford, and then listen how they finish the year. They host Washington, and they're at Oregon. So no the story has yet to be written for a 10-win team from last year. A very good start. They beat UCLA. All of a sudden, Mr. Smith has got this team in a very good spot. Tough schedule to close out. Wait, are we doing Wazoo or Oregon State? Oregon State. Oh, Oregon State. I don't know why I heard Wazoo. Uh, Oregon State, yeah. Look, the, the, the thing about Oregon State is they're so physical. They're so different than a lot of this league. I guess it's them and Utah. Those are the two physical teams in the league. And DJ's been good, man. DJ's been good. I think Oregon State, for me, is a B plus B plus I think they're a lot more dynamic than I expected them to be and they're going to be the team this is the team that messes up the Pac-12 getting the college football playoff because I could see them getting better as the season goes on they will upset one of Washington and Oregon okay and finally we got the matchup this weekend yep I, are we Listen, Oregon and Washington are either of us not giving A's to these two teams, both undefeated. I'll set you up on the number of all. Oregon's at Washington. Washington's laying three. Uh, again, we can start with Oregon. Uh, I'll give them a straight A here, A+. Plus. I, so I, I wanted to go with Washington first because I was giving Washington an A, sure. and I'm giving the Ducks an A+. Plus. What Dan Lanning has done with this defense and turned it around from that abysmal defense that they had last year, no knock on Washington. It's just that Oregon has just been slightly better defensively for me this year. Both teams are valedictorian level right now in the Pac-12. 
Yeah, a, I, a, a plus for both. The defense, the turnaround with Oregon has been tremendous. Explosive offensively. Big guy, what do you got for the Ducks? Yeah, I, I got an A- minus for Oregon. I love them. They're physical, too. They're a little bit different, not quite as much at the line of scrimmage defensively. It's more like the, the linebackers, the secondary I like for Oregon a lot. Uh, and then offensively, Bo Nix leaves Auburn, and he's a different human being. He's been really good in his career there up in Eugene. I give them an A- minus for Washington. They're an A+. plus. This team needs to get in the playoff and represent the Pac-12. The refs need to rig things and make that happen because they can hang and go shot for shot with anyone in the country. I trust them on both sides of the ball way more than I trust USC. This team is absolutely loaded. I love watching Washington. I don't think anyone's going to scare them after this week. This week I was is just going to say, is Washington Pac-12's most complete team? Yes. Yes. No. I'm, yes. Go, I'm going Oregon. I'm going the Ducks. They can't hang with okay. them offensively. No, Washington's got a better offense. There's no question about it. You know, I love the comparison Tim Jenkins made last year with Ohio State's receiving core, Adunzie McMillan. These guys are absolute dudes. They're going to be drafted in the first 60 picks in the NFL draft. They've got a great offensive team. I'm going to get, listen, I know it's going to contradict what I just said, Dustin. I'm going to take the Huskies at home on Saturday in Seattle, Lake Washington. Guys, this is the biggest home game UW has had in a long, long time. And this is an underappreciated, undervalued rivalry in that part of the country. you got two top 10 teams, and we could potentially have a rematch in the Pac-12 championship game with these two teams. If they win Number this game, offense. I have a question. If they win this game, they go to USC November 4th. Yep. They're what's, beating the Trojans. What's the, what's the line at USC if they're both unbeaten? Trojans three or oh, four. That's good. That that is a good question. You said three or four. Yeah, USC. Publicity, SC, Los three Angeles. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I was gonna say three. Yeah, you're probably right though. I, I'll take those points. I'll go money line. The, the sharps will buy it down to three. Yeah, <laughs> they'll, absolutely. They'll eat up that hook. If Lincoln up Riley three. is not a better coach than Kalen DeBoer. Kalen DeBoer is the second best coach in the Pac-12. Jonathan Smith, number one. No, Kyle Whittingham. Whittingham. I knew he was going to say Whittingham. <laughs> o- Oregon and Washington. You can argue a a plus. They're both just been and plus they're both of them are very complete. Yes. I will lay the three this weekend. That's the I best agree. offense yards per game wise and all of FBS football. Washington is sick. This game ridiculous. Is gonna, this game is going to be like Texas OU. Buckle in for the final five minutes. This is going to be a fantastic football game. It's going to be a great game. Can't wait for it. Okay, great job, boys. When we return, Adam Burke, Vsin's managing editor. We've got baseball. We've got football. We've got plenty. Another hour to go. There's a shortcut to platinum status at Shell, to saving 10 cents per gallon on every fill every day. Just fill up six times with Shell V-Power Nitro Plus Premium Gasoline, and it's yours. Plus, you'll rejuvenate your engine. Get ready to level up performance, rewards, and savings. With continuous use in gasoline direct injection engine fuel injectors, platinum status is earned with 12 fill-ups over three months, 10-gallon minimum per fill-up at participating Shell locations. Terms apply. Visit fuelrewards.com status. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official 
Challenge Podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic Gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.